we're shifting gears here a little bit on the basement today. Obviously, for a year and a half, you all know this is a very film-centered podcast, talking movies either by myself or with filmmakers that sit in the director's chair, producer's chair, behind the camera, or in front of the camera. Yeah, I don't know. You get it. Uh, Today's a little different. And I kind of like doing episodes like this where I branch out into other kind of stories that need to be told. I guess I get to fuel my little journalistic needs, even though I'm not really a journalist, but hey, I'm not giving up on that career choice either. Chris Fiato is on the show today. He's a very talented musician. There's a link to his YouTube page where pretty much it's just him propping a camera down, playing the acoustic guitar, and singing some songs for whoever is out there listening. Uh, Chris reached out to me about a month and a half ago. Him and I kind of knew of each other. We had a lot of the same mutual friends. Uh, He's a good friend of Greg Moko, who's been on the show a couple times. Uh, He reached out to me because he wanted to do an episode really targeting on substance abuse and addictions and whatnot. And I think one of the reasons being is because he's had his own battles with being an addict in the past, and it's something that he deals with on a regular basis. And I think he also wanted to find like an outlet to be able to talk about his feelings and his views of being an addict and whatnot. And I jumped at this for multiple reasons. A, it's something very near and dear to me. I've lost count of people that I grew up with who have either lost their lives to battling a drug addiction or have been in and out of rehab. And on the brighter side of that, a lot of people who have been able to turn their life around. Uh, Chris, right now, I feel is on that path. He's trying to turn his life around. He reached out to me, I think, after a most recent rehab stint. And originally it was just like, hey, we'll come on, we'll talk movies. But I didn't want to do that. I felt like he had a story to tell. All the messages he was sending me were lengthy, and I couldn't even keep up with it. And I was like, this guy has a lot to get off his chest. So I got him on the show. This was really good for me, too. It was also to hear someone deal with their issues and me myself who had a couple run-ins when I was a teenager a little bit and was able to put a lot of that stuff behind me it was good to kind of maybe get those stories back out into the air to kind of maybe ease some tension inside myself so this is a pretty different episode and you know nobody's plugging anything really no you know even though those episodes are fine but um, a lot of great knowledge to be shared, and a really important subject matter to me and obviously my guest. So um, enjoy. Welcome to the basement. Okay, Chris Fiato, welcome to the basement. Thank you, thanks for having me on. Thank you for thank you for approaching me to come on with a lot of cool ideas of what to make a podcast episode about here today. Yeah, figure there's uh there's no shortage of uh, topics I approach you with stories, (laughs) funny stories to talk about, and uh, you know, for myself and the world around us, you know. Oh yeah, dude. Um, so you and I, I mean like you and I probably, I mean, I, I, we've known each other for a little, little while on like here and there, but 
never really hung out with Chris Fiato. So I'm hanging out with Chris Fiato here on the basement. Um, but I know you through a lot of other mutual friends, a past guest on the show. And actually, by the time this airs, a recent past guest, uh, Greg Moko, who's been on the show a couple times. Greg Moko, um, the man. I think. <laughs> my man right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said he's apparently, um, I don't want to spoil it, but like, I think he told me he's trying to launch a podcast too. So I hope he does. Um, or he can just come back on my show whenever he that wants. That would be epic. Yeah, have keep having him as a guest. And well, he should start something up. I mean, he's got he's got like a hit. whole he's got like a whole setup, uh, like better than mine. Like he's got like a nice camera and every I don't know he games and stuff. But yeah, he's been recording too since like I don't know he was like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. He's always you know so it's he, yeah he's he kind of knows what he, a little bit what he's doing doing behind the mic and the yeah recording bit and shit. Um, but like, so first time he was on the show, I mentioned, uh, and like, <laughs> I don't know if he like, didn't want to talk about it that much or something, but he just thought it was funny. Uh, but like I mentioned the, you guys did like a hip hop song together <laughs> that when I caught wind of it, I was like, yo, if next film I try to make, or whether it's a feature or a short, I was like, I will cut them a check to use the song because like more people need to see it. Um, I'm going to, I put it, I think there's a link to that YouTube video of that song. It's called easy, easy. Is it easy in the cut? Easy on the cut by the rapture. <laughs> Dude. I, I still go back and watch that every, every couple of months, honestly, like it was, I don't know, close to 10 years ago. I still get a good laugh from that, man. That this is, why did you guys do that? Like, not that like, All right. You, you want the lore, Greg? I, I hope you don't mind me spilling, spilling the story. But so uh, we had we had some some acquaintances um, that had their own hip hop group. I'm not going to not going to drop the name or anything. Gonna, you can uh, tell me off mics. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But uh, so they, they were a trio. They were um, they were they were recording some music they were pay, paying some good money to record some music as well as film some music videos and uh you know it's kind of <laughs> not not the greatest but i'm sure i've definitely heard worse um but kind of just to you know sort of just see what they were doing with the money we're like hey, dude let's let's record a song let's film a video let's do every step of the process by ourselves completely for free you know other than the hours we're going to put into doing it just see how it comes out and you know kind of be dicks more or less it was like again they were they're acquaintances friends of ours and like hope hope they appreciate this joke and uh actually prior to easy on the cut there is one song that does not have a video um and uh the name is kind of a reference to their group name so i'll i'll tell you that after but uh, if anyone's savvy enough to find the rapture on SoundCloud, you'll you'll stumble across the original song. Um, but yeah, we we did the whole whole process. I think he, I forget what he used to uh, to record. We made a beat in FL Studios. Um, we used an iPhone to film it, just hanging out one day. Um, and Greg essentially did all the editing and. I'll post stuff because he had all like the computers and stuff uh 
all the footage. And uh, yeah, so that's a, in a nutshell the story of how the Rapture came to be about. Um, I've been I've been bugging him for a while to do some more stuff, and we had talked about it being this like whole big idea where it was going to be this like giant rap collective, but just him and I doing like a slew of characters. Um, so like yeah, there's it it goes pretty deep and even what we like talked about doing like mockumentary style skits so that's kind of funny that you mentioned using the song in a in a something no. some future project of yours i vowed to find use for um for that track uh it, i i will leave a link to it in the show notes again because i mean look if, if you got sensitive ears yeah there's maybe some lyrics that I don't know if they've aged well. <laughs> we we aimed at being offensive. Yeah, in this day and age, some sure haven't aged well. And anytime I show it to, to someone, I you know, a, a new friend I meet or whatever, I'm like, hey, you know, if if you got you got a thick skin, check this out. You know, otherwise, yeah, you know, uh, tread lightly and uh, you know, listen with caution. But just just know it's all meant to be a joke. It's all in good fun. Um. <laughs> I there's I mean there's just like a huge charm to the I, I know maybe like I mean, I'm sounding like your guy's biggest fan <laughs> it's all good man but but like I don't know there's something like with a lot of artistic merit to it for some reason like it looks like a 1990s indie short film or something <laughs> like where it's in black and white like, you know, the camera, you guys use an iPhone, but like this was 10 years ago. So like iPhone cameras were good, but like they weren't what they are now. And like, there's, there's just, I don't know. There's just a fucking, there's, there's, I go back to it. Like it, it will come across my head. I am your guy's biggest fan, I guess. <laughs> I love it, man. I've, I've honestly never met another actual Rapture fan who like stated it that way. So hell yeah, man. You're the, you're the like, first. I think Greg will post about it or repost it sometimes, or like I'll be, I'll think of one of your guys like lyrics from the song. I'll be like, what the fuck was that song? And I think one time I, I, I like, I think it was either a lyric of yours or a lyric Greg said that just popped into my head one day. Cause it makes me laugh so much. And I, I, I must've messaged Greg and was just like, what was that hip hop video you did? You just sent me the link. Didn't even say anything else. <laughs> there you go. No, yeah, dude. It's it, it. There's there was a lot of heart put into it, but it's also like real raw and stripped yeah. down. I think so. To, I mean, to hear from you know you, someone who's in filmmaking and you know has a deep appreciation for that. Um, I know from from my end, it's very uh very appreciated to hear how much you <laughs> like it. I'm sure, sure Greg loved to hear that um you want to hear kind of a funny story about the some of the footage in the video as you've seen you know some of yeah. it if you don't know any better might may look like we're breaking the law um i i actually happened to be on on probation at the time of filming that and my sister messaged me one day she's like all these people are messaging me that you're you're in this video doing drugs online and i'm like oh, like oh my god like it sort of was like an oh shit moment but at the same time like man i guess that was really effective and yeah. like people, people it, genuinely it, I mean, it's pretty tongue-in-cheek sometimes like i'm <laughs> out of sugar man yeah. um well no it, it's cool it's it's one of it's it was just something 
cool i saw 10 years ago and i go back to and um yeah oh, everybody right. should everybody should give it a try watch um, it you... once man <laughs> one time but um so you've always kind of been artistic you've always been i mean you you music is kind of your bag like what what are your what's kind of your inspirations that's that's always a golden question on this show like who do you look to for inspirations it it's weird i mean you know i i I write a lot just kind of on my own i uh i I got i got really into writing back in high school um it was kind of kind of odd it was like a chemistry class assignment that we had to do and we had to do these acrostic poems which like you you pick a word you write it vertically and then each line of the poem is supposed to start out with the letter that that word written vertically on the page starts with so we had to do a bunch of you know chemistry related ones and then I kind of I don't know I don't know kind of just started flowing out of me and then I kind of just started doing it on my own time I'm like damn it's kind of kind of fun and it's like just uh you know writing in the moment you don't I don't necessarily realize like how much I'm getting off my chest or you know sometimes even just write stuff and uh you go back and look at it later it's like damn that, that came out didn't know that was up up in my up in my noggin and you know it's uh i don't know it's really cathartic in a way but uh as far as music um you're just overall inspiration i mean you know i guess the the simple stupid answer is just kind of life in general um trying to i don't know i guess the inspirations is kind of trying to in a way take my life experiences and uh stuff that you know, baggage I've been holding and try to get out in a, in a healthier kind of way. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure anyone that writes plays music whenever they, you know, are deliberately trying to write a song. It For me, it typically doesn't go well, but I like <clears throat> some of the songs that I've written that I, I, I tend to go back and listen to more often. Like they sort of, they kind of just like come to me in a weird moment. Like, uh, there's one one of my songs. I remember I was, was years ago. I was doing doing laundry at some laundromat, and I just got like kind of just like start just like some like little rhythms and beats pop into my head. Get little like lyric ideas, and you know within a within a couple minutes, I'm like, holy shit! I gotta I gotta go home and like get this out on guitar before I forget it type of deal. Um, so it, it it's uh kind of tough to say like what is my inspiration for playing other than again like i said kind of a healthy outlet yeah i don't know i've uh i don't you know in like the 20-ish years of playing i don't don't know if i've actually like been asked that or Hmm. had to uh um elaborate on that so it's weird something you know when you get asked a question you're like kind of stumbling on it in the moment sort of uh, trying to come up with an answer like i am right now um gonna be fun for the listeners it's okay uh, i well i know you're i mean look I, i've you sent me a couple links with your and I've, I've seen you posting them too and i watched them you just prop uh maybe your cell phone down or something and you just record yourself playing the guitar and you got a youtube channel and everything yeah that's um, too, that, how long how long have you been playing so i i got my first guitar when i was like uh nine or ten um but couldn't couldn't afford to take lessons till like the next Christmas. I remember my grandmother bought me like pre 
pre-bought like uh, six lessons with this dude, Bruce Corona, who sure there's some people listening to this that'll know that name. Um, played a bunch of ACDC cover bands back in the day. So nine, nine, I'm almost 32. Uh, so yeah, like 22, 22-ish, 23 years, something like that. Um, but in the last like five years, there was probably a, a good like two or three year period where I did not even touch my guitar once. I had no inspiration to, I just like wasn't feeling it at all. Um, got into this weird phase where I just got really into reading and buying books. Um, I, I like your little, I don't know if those are movies behind you, but nice little um, setup. That's part of the movie collection. I think over here it's, it's like my books, but then like my wife's books are in there and shit too. Right. So like, yeah, right on. I got a, yeah, I got a messy ass collection. <laughs> um, maybe after I'll show you my my wall of. Well, I guess it's not really it's stacked against the wall on the floor. Yeah, it's like I'm Matt Damon's cool. collection in Goodwill Hunting. Dude, yeah, you know, in those like those Walmart like five dollar combo movies, you buy five yeah. bucks. <sighs> Matt Damon and Ben Affleck special. No, I got a, I got a fast stack of movies but i haven't really been in a big phase of watching tv too much lately um i've been so beat from work and i come home and it's like laid down and working in uh working in kitchens in the summertime is, uh, it's no good takes a lot out of you man but um, gotta, someone's got to feed the people if you all right so if you uh you mentioned those five dollar double features so because i used to like i think i probably got a few of those back here Oh, um, I used to go go like raid the bins at Walmart after payday. <laughs> that <laughs> shit, shit I don't need. That 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 is like that that I think I I think I got Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer on the the split Walmart DVD thing. That was like the one of the last ones I got. Well, what what I'm getting at here without <laughs> talking about five dollar bins. I mean, this <laughs> is this is kind of pretty of a, a film centered show. But like, what 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 did what's in your dvd stack i gotta I, so if anybody's I, still collecting dvds now but yeah i know it's I, I think about that all the time i'm like man this is like such a such a dead hobby but something something about physical media i will always like have a, a deep connection and passion for like i hate you know I'll, I'll watch stuff on my phone but there's a certain disconnect for it like same with music and like reading on a Kindle, but as far as what's in my collection, um, you know, I like, I always grew up on really cheesy horror movies. Um, I like a lot of David Lynch movies. Um, yes. I like, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of out there weird stuff. Um, are the more recent shit, uh, sorry, can we swear on this? <laughs> Try to keep it clean. No, how dare, no, it's fine. <laughs> how dare you curse on my podcast? um so many people have said raunchy things on. no actually no pete you can swear you can swear i'm just i don't know why i said people have said raunchy things this is actually a pretty easygoing r rating for a podcast okay. i just want to check call myself like no you're you know, good you're good i promise right it's like you had greg you had greg Malcolm on too i'm sure <laughs> he slipped some shit in there um but dude uh recently like I uh one of my favorite more re uh new directors Panos Cosmatos did Mandy Beyond the oh Black Rainbow. God, dude, don't I'm, get me going. I okay. love Mandy, dude. That's it's just like the coolest fever dream. Like one of Nick Cage's. <laughs> I think 
Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say one of his funniest performances, like you rip my shirt, you rip my shirt. Dude, that shit that shit gets me every time. But the the cult like the the cult leader and like that whole that whole aspect I really enjoy. But I love a lot of the the, the trippy psychedelic uh you know, I especially oriented that. themes. Um, that that movie I feel kicked off Cage's renaissance that he's having right now. Cause yeah, that was like late 2018 that came out. And prior to that, like he started getting that reputation of like, he's doing all these straight to video, like bad movies. But if you go back and you watch those bad movies, he is still really good in them. I was just going to say, like, I, I get the vibe that he's almost at a point in his career where he's kind of just making movies that he wants to make. Like, yeah you know he's reached a level of success he doesn't need to you know make that box office movie hit anymore he's i mean i i can't think of other than the there's a, a recent one where he's kind of like playing a fictionalized version of himself yeah i think of the name of it right now but i before that i can't think of the last time i heard of a nick cage movie in theaters um at least a wide release but um you yeah, know but- i'll I don't always pay attention to that stuff. So probably a lot of crap I've missed. I feel like I haven't been able to talk uh, too much about Mandy on this show. And I feel like uh, maybe I should have. I mean, it's a, it, if you get down to the core, it's your basic uh, revenge movie, but yeah. yeah I, revenge love story. Yeah. I revisit, I revisited it like six months ago and it still hits. It's still weird and trippy, but it's like you get it's a two hour film and you get the first half feels like a fever dream. And the second half still has those fever dream qualities, but um, it's Nick Cage going off the walls with a giant chainsaw. And, and uh, what, what did I want to say? Um, I don't think this is about Mandy, but I I've always wanted to say this on the show because I heard it on a different podcast. Nick Cage is very in tune with his persona, I guess. Um to a point where I guess he was on a movie recently. Um, the director's trying to guide him through a scene and he's supposed to go like bonkers crazy. And I guess he says to the director, okay, you want me to go the full cage. <laughs> <laughs> Let the tiger out of the cage. Like he's completely in tune with who he is. Like what, and I think I think that's a sign of a great actor. But um, I I respect that certain level of self awareness in in an actor and just any any type of person. Like, yeah. but but especially in his case, like he's he's totally okay with being a caricature of himself, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it's also it, it's not a character. It's not. I, I don't even know how to explain it. You know, it's it's cage it's method cage. He's got his own his own thing going. I guess. Yeah. You know, somewhere down the line, they'll probably be teaching college courses based off of his, uh, you know, acting style and, and methods and tactics. Did you see um, one last thing about Nick Cage? Uh, <laughs> I'll talk you, to Cage all you want. Did you see Pig? I haven't watched Pig yet. No, no. I kept putting it off. I, I saw it was on Hulu and still on Hulu. <laughs> yeah, dude. I uh, There's I always have- tonight. Yeah, man, I I got I got to kick back and watch something like, um, 
especially something new. Sometimes I just have to be in a certain mood to like delve into Cage. But then once I do it, I'm like, what the hell was I waiting for? Like, yeah, of course I'm going to enjoy this. Like, regardless of the the tone of the movie, the genre of the movie, like he just has a certain panache about him. Well, I I I loved Pig, and I I guess he had Oscar buzz for it, and it didn't pan out, but. Um, I think a lot of people who didn't like it went into it thinking it was going to be like a John Wick kind of thing, like Nicolas Cage's pig gets taken from him. And so now he's going to go mm-hmm. on a killing spree. And that's not what happens, I'll just say. And that's not spoiling anything. I, I just want to like make sure before you go into it, it's not that. Because I feel like a lot of people got that vibe. I've, were- I've heard... I- I've heard people say, saying that, like, you know, I went into it kind of expecting this one thing and it turned out yeah. to be, you know, 180 degrees from that. So, but I, I always love when that, you know, that's the case. The movie can still surprise you nowadays. Like, I feel like that kind of, I, I don't know. Uh, movie making is such a strange place right now with, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge, like, into the Marvel movies and stuff i I love what they've done conceptually with like that whole cinematic universe and tying it all together but there's something like lost in translation from the pages to the movie with those and for me i think it has a lot to do with um an overuse of cgi and kind of a dependence on cgi because i mean I, i again i grew up watching like trashy horror movies and I'm all about like practical, you know, prosthetics, like just cool makeup. Um, Freddy Krueger, the leprechaun, like Le- leprechaun stands out in my mind, regardless how cheesy and like on the nose they are. Um, something about like the first three, especially. Yeah. And then he went to space and, you know, kind of, but then he came back and went back to the Hood. And he went to the hood. <laughs> yeah, and then and he went. Yeah, went to the hood. Then went back to the hood. P H A. Yeah, man, that was like a big thing in hip hop. The. I gotta be honest. That is one uh, franchise in horror. I don't really gravitate towards it. I mean, like, I it's cool that it has its fan base, but like, it, it's just so weird to me. Like, the first movie was Jennifer Aniston's, like launching pre, pad free <laughs> nose job and she like, oh my god <laughs> it's and she uh like she doesn't even acknowledge it she's like it's because like i don't know like kevin bacon lately is starting to like wink at the fact that he's cool with that he did friday the 13th if the first one um but like i don't know I, jamie lee curtis has always been a big you know admirer of the fact that she did halloween I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not going to knock someone's career. But. No need to shy away from your past. You know, it's got a very select fan base, but, uh, yeah. you know, Warwick Davis, something about him, he's just got a certain charm and charisma to him. Uh, did you ever see his his show on HBO? It was, uh, it was kind of similar style to, like, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was called Life's Too Short was um, uh i feel like i did was ricky gervais like involved yes there, okay yes. i i not from start to finish but i i've watched episodes i think it was just like one season and maybe like six or eight episodes there's each one featured like a famous actor one of them was johnny depp that was an excellent episode but uh i don't know i feel like you you really get a 
kind of kind of almost like you're hanging out with Warwick Davis, Willow, you know, mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> classic movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that just popped up on Disney Plus recently. Um, so to shift gears, I, I wanted because I want to go back into you as a musician too, as well. And, you know, you said your biggest inspiration is the world around you and like life and everything you've had to deal with. And I think like most artists, um, you know, you channel a lot of things that you've had to deal with into your music. And one of the reasons why you reached out to me is because I know you've, you've had your battle with addictions in the past and I really appreciated you reaching out to me wanting to kind of come on the show and talk about that. And I kind of wanted to look at you as an artist and kind of look at, you know, the music you try to make too. And with that message. So I, you know, what's that like kind of, cause I, you know, I've, I want to say like when I was 18 and whatnot, I had a rough couple few years um, myself as a teenager. And I feel like I, I didn't necessarily go into performing or I picked up the guitar for a little bit, but I, I wrote, songs some were trash some were not but i was getting my own personal feelings out so to kind of hear someone who's dealt with what you dealt with um do that and still be doing that i admire it very much thanks man um yeah you know i I totally it was a total shot in the dark reaching out to you about that you know um i know for me a big thing that that is helpful but it's also one of my uh, weaker points that has worked against me and, uh, you know, being successful in recovery is, is talking about it. And, um, you know, I feel like there's a very select few people I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about it with, but try, I need to, to break that, um, you know, being concerned of what this person is going to think. Like I got a, a lot of people around me that, uh, you know, they're always like, you know, come talk to me you know, when you're having a rough time, whatever. Um, but when those times come, you know, like, I'm sure any any addict will relate to this. You know, you convince yourself, oh, you know, it's going to be a burden on them. Like, what would I even say to them? Like, you know, oh, I had this, this thought pop into my head. Like, you know, I want to go, you know, pick something up. But rather than talk about it, I kind of shut myself in, shut the world out. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is reaching out to you is kind of like, in a way, me trying to, to break the mold a little bit. Cause you know, there's definitely a stigma against talking about addiction. Um, and specifically my, you know, my issues have been with opiates and opioids. Um, you know, I'm not, a definitely <laughs> would, you know, pretty much try it anything you put in front of me, but the one thing that's, you know kind of been that monkey on my back for uh damn almost 15 16 years of my life now um but uh so yeah man I and I I started out young too like um you know my my parents weren't bad people they you know did the best they knew how but I was like getting high with my parents when I was like 13 years old 14 so that sets an interesting precedence for you an interesting like idea of what's you know i knew it wasn't okay knew it wasn't like cool not something i went to like school and bragged to my friends about but um just having that example set like oh yeah you know smoking it smoking a joint with your dad's normal uh you know 
sniffing some lines with your mom at 15 is normal. It's so far from the norm. So, so far from, from anything anyone would consider normal. I, I sure hope so, at least. Um, I mean, whatever's comfortable with you telling me here, but like, how do you get to that point of being 15 and doing a line with your mom? Because like, I mean, people crack jokes about like that can be someone's comedy routine. You know, I'm getting high with my mom, but like you who's been through it as a serious thing, like how, how does that even, how do you even get to that point? You know? I mean, so, so both my parents were got to a point when I was around uh, 14, 15, 16, where they, they were, you know, were pretty into cocaine themselves. Um, a bunch of, b- bunch of shit. They they got really bad into it. So my like, da- my dad went down to Florida, to try and clean up, be with his family. Um, I'm in Florida, dude. You can't clean up down here. <laughs> not, to, not just to make light of it, but no, no, you're you're absolutely correct. And like, I uh, I went down there in my when I was like 21, I think, to try and stay with them for a bit and. Um, definitely for for a a bunch of reasons it didn't work out it wasn't you know like i was down there going to get high just a lot of a lot of shit didn't work out him and i never been super close um but yeah so both my parents were doing a lot of coke um he went down there found out um pretty pretty much given my life story right here um hope hope hey man that um my mom started or he either had been started sleeping with one of his uh, quote unquote friends. He caught wind of that, just never came back. Um, so then, yeah, this, this was like 10th or 11th grade. And she was like, st- you know, staying over at this dude's house more and more, you know, wasn't coming home. No one was paying uh, the mortgage on the house. So there was, I don't know, like a three or four month period, like 10th or 11th grade where I was coming home. I had, I had this house that I grew up in all to myself. Like she would come home, like occasionally dad wasn't there. Uh, my sister had moved out. She, I think she had just had her first, first kid. Um, so at the time it seemed really cool. Like, you know, I would have parties at my place. Um, you know, it, it was, it was fun at the time, but I would come home. I want to say there were like three separate occasions. I came home and there were, uh, um, eviction notices from the bank um but after after the third one I, I came home one day wasn't able to get in all my shit was in there but rewind a little bit into that period of time where there was a severe lack of structure um in my home life essentially um times my mom would come home like it kind of became more of like a buddy buddy type thing like you know, I didn't really know what to do or say about the whole home situation, but you know, uh, she she started she started giving me like volumes and morphine from her boyfriend too, so that kind of kicked off a lot of, uh, um, you know, that just widened my uh, the, you know, substances that that I'd use and uh, something about the morphine really, really stuck stuck with me, but. So I guess coming to that point of using like hard drugs with your parents is just uh, a really fucked up home life. Um, not to be like, oh, poor me. Like, you know, there's there's not a single thing in my life that not to say I don't 
I feel guilt, don't feel guilty or like regret anything necessarily, but there's nothing I would go back and, and redo again. Like, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, who I am today if I haven't gone through every, every step of the process that I've been through. And, you know, I still have my hard times, but, you know, more or less, I'm pretty content with who I've become and how I've, I've turned out and the fact that I'm, you know, still, still even alive, honestly. Um, we had like a, a, a betting pool back in high school of, uh, and this, this isn't funny, but some of these darker parts of life, you, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I've definitely adapted a, a darker sense of humor to kind of cope with some of the, some of the shit and make light of it. So I imagine some of the, some of the stuff I joke around about other people, you know, wouldn't find it so funny, but I mean, you know, some, some of the best comedy comes from some of the darkest places, you know, like I often hear people say like, you know, some of the, look, look at Robin Williams, for example, like what, yeah. how that guy turned out, you know, he was, everyone knew him as a fucking excellent comedian. Once he got into dramatic roles, like that became its own thing. This whole other side of Robin Williams comes out. Um, but you know, some of the people that like try to spread the most joy and like laughter, like you know, in, in my experience, definitely tend to be some of the more broken people. And I think it's, uh, you know, kind of just trying to, you know, spread some sense of joy around to, you know, outwardly of yourself and try to make other people feel good. And, you know, just, you know, I, I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy being there to, you know, to like, uh, you know, be a, be a shoulder to lean on, so to speak for, for people. Um, but yeah, so you know, back back to your question again. Um, I I think it's uh, I I don't imagine any well-adjusted families are uh, you know, doing class A, class B substances together in their in their teen years. Um, but but again, it's it's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, now I'm no expert medical expert on this. I'm you know just trying to be careful with my questions. Uh, but I mean, you've lived through it and so I, I don't know what you can say to this or not, but like, I always hear stories about, um, addiction being like genetic of some sorts or addiction is through what you grow up around. Um, so like, do you think it's, do you think of it as like a nature versus nurture kind of thing? Like, I don't know what your take is on that. It's uh that's a good question. Um, I think it, I think it can be a little bit of both depending on the situation. Um, in my case, I think it was definitely both. I think there was definitely a genetic predisposition for that. Um, I know on my mom's side, both her parents were alcoholics. Um, you know, I, I look back. There's there's one one thing I've been reflecting on a lot the last couple of years. It's um my childhood you know kids suck their thumb when they're when they're real young but I uh I sucked my thumb till I was probably like seven or eight and I just like remember I could not I could not stop yeah I could not stop doing it and uh I would I would do stuff I would like so put my thumb in lemon juice to try and like deter me from you know sucking my thumb wicked bitter taste but I just uh grew a, a liking for the taste of lemon juice so I like I guess what I'm saying is I look back to that and it's like, man, I had those addictive tendencies in me starting, you know, two, three years old. So 
I think I think it's a lot of genetic um, can run the family, but I think also a lot of it is uh, you know, nurture based. A lot of a lot of uh, traumatic stuff. You know, people yeah. go through tends to kind of manifest later in life as a you know, especially stuff that you're not maybe super aware of that you've been through as a kid um, can uh, kind of manifest as some, you know, darker habits, I guess. Um, and even, even that's something in the last year, I'm not going to not gonna touch on this too, too much, but uh, I've been having some weird uh, memories and stuff come back to me from my childhood because mm-hmm. I have, I have some like very, very vivid, lucid, detailed memories of certain aspects of when I was like three, four years old, but most of my childhood just like giant blur. Um, and my sister and I were having a conversation the other day, and uh, she said she said something in particular. And as soon as she said it, I had this like flashback vision, this uh, it's like sensory kind of flashback vision that um, definitely was a. Uh, <laughs> not not something pleasant but it, it it made a lot of sense and it kind of vindicated some weird uh bits of memories that have been like kind of bleeding through back back to me the last year or so that I kind of thought I was like just sort of I don't know if I was just like sort of making stuff up in my head um even though it's very unpleasant stuff that I don't think anybody would want to imagine happening to them but um so yeah I, I think in my case it's definitely you know, it was, you know, in my, in my genetics from, from the get-go and then, uh, you know, certain things may or may not have happened, but I, I'm willing, I'd be willing to put money on it that there's not like any, there's probably no addicts out there that, you know, are like really bad that don't have some form of like trauma that they experience somewhere down the line. That's, uh, you know, kind of just, you know, built itself up in you and, uh, wait, you know, waiting, wanting to get out. But, you know, if you're unaware of it, how are you supposed to expel any of that shit, you know? So, um, I, I, that's a pretty solid answer, man. Um, cause like, I, I know people who are no longer walking this earth who have, who are passed away due to substance abuse and whatnot. And, I know that their parents also had issues like that and they're still around. Um, personally for me, I'll spill some tea on me. Um, you know, I have woven throughout, um, a little bit on, um, one side of the family with, uh, there's a little bit of an addiction thing there. Kind of like, I, I, I don't, I don't know for facts really, but I'm pretty sure my mother told me my her father, my grandfather, who I never met, who passed before I was born, uh, was an alcoholic. And, um, like, you know, n- not, not really a lot of people on my side has inherited that issue. Um, I mean, there's a little, there's a few things that I won't touch on here too personal, but, um, I do notice behaviors in myself that are like, I do definitely have an addictive behavior. And so therefore I always try to shift away from stuff like that. So I don't get addicted to things like that. Cause I had a couple close calls when I was in high school. I 
Um, I was diving for a catch my junior year. I was on the football team and uh, at practice and I popped my shoulder out uh. and pretty much ended my football career, even though I was kind of <laughs> not good at football and um, <laughs> I was okay for a few years. Then I just, I didn't give a damn. And, but I was out for the season and pretty much what happened is I got pain meds and I got hooked kind of on and off for a little bit. Yep. And that, uh, messed me up through part of high school, I feel. Uh, and like, there's, there's trauma there that I still don't like to go back on too much because I think it swayed me a little bit. Um, like I, I still have this memory and I don't really, I, you're, dude, you're getting a lot out of me. You are now officially the interviewer. Damn. Bring, bring it, man. That's just cool, man. This is, this is, uh, it's helpful for both of us. No. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but I have this memory of, um, I was at a party my senior year in high school and I was at the time taking some painkillers every now and then. And I took a couple, maybe an extra one that night and chased it down with alcohol. And I got pretty fucked up that night. And I was in a room by myself in the dark, just freaking out. I don't know if I was ODing. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think I was cause I was able to, I don't know. Like, I don't know the context of, Dude, I, I like learned that, recently, but... not to cut you off, but I've learned recently that when someone ODs, you don't necessarily die. You can, I don't know how, I don't know how it works exactly, but um, you can naturally come out of an OD. And I've, you know, I've had medical professionals tell me this, um, which is weird because it's like, you know, the, the term overdose feel like it kind of implies fatality in a way, but yeah. Um, you know, so, sorry, continue. No, I, I just, I remember there was like a, there was like a girl there I graduated with who was aspiring to go into nursing. So she was like kind of in there working with me for a little bit. And I'll never forget this. And I won't say his name, but um, uh, this kid showed up to a party who didn't like me. And uh, he knows I'm back there fucked up. And having a time he's well, no, he knows I'm back there, like uh, an absolute mess. And he's decided to heckle me through the whole oh. thing. And the exact quote was do the world a favor and kill yourself is what he said. Damn. And, That's... um, to this day, dude, anytime. And like, look that this person has since, uh, in his own way, apologized to me. I mean, like, we're not, I'm not texting them to hang out when I'm in town, but we're cool, I yeah. guess. <laughs> this, um, I mean, dude, any amount of like, you know, mending that so you don't have to carry that baggage just is helpful. Well, you know? I, something like that, something like yeah. that's hurtful, man. Like whether he was like serious or not, like that's uh, especially in a moment like that for you, like you know, the fact that it's still stuck with you. Um, well, to this day, dude, like anytime I am trying to make some sort of progress in my life. And I've never told him this. Um, I hear that in the back of my head. I, I, I fucking hear that. I see that scenario. I hear it. And I just, it's like that, that dude completely gave me trauma because of that. And yeah, I was up to no good. I, I was being a bad boy, whatever, you know, but 
like, and I had nobody there to really defend me. Like I, I, sometimes I can't even, I can't even fathom the fact that I made it through that night um, without doing anything too regretful. Um, so yeah, like I, I just, I mean, I also heard this said person also, um, had his own demons of his own and he had a lot of things he had to deal with down the road. So I think, you know, he was, uh, venting to some of his own issues. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I'm like someone that says something along the lines of that, especially like you're a hurt person too. Like if you're, if you're talking like that exactly like that cliche saying hurt people hurt people yeah cliche sayings and stereotypes sorry like they're they stick around because they you know most of the time hold true and they you know have a certain weight to them um but yeah dude like no one that's happy and you know pleased with themselves is going to go around telling anybody joking or not go kill yourself you know that's Mm -hmm. and and again you know did i it's hard, hard to imagine that he would think like, oh, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, like this is still going to be something that affects him. Like, yeah, I highly doubt that was in his mind. But like, damn, like that, that's you never know how you're going to affect people with your words. And like, yeah, you know, in we're a like, like, I feel like we're too. I feel like we're a generation that's like raised by a generation. I'm not trying to start a generational war and, you know, millennials like to knock their boomer parents. But like. <laughs> We we are we did kind of get that like you know eh, suck it up it's just and I think in certain contexts it's just like yeah I'm gonna ignore the noise but like every now and then someone hits you with a stinger and sometimes you use it for motivation and sometimes it just turns into like a little demon that's constantly haunting you and like yeah it was a situation like that like I was saying like anytime I'm I don't know like when I'm like venturing out to do something big with my life it's almost like. I fucking like I'm I'm back there for a second and I'm just like damn that was actually a traumatizing situation and I feel like I've over the past few years begun to like face that like I've taken every kind of issue I've had when I was a teenager and like people say problems that a I know we're kind of going off the beaten path here but like um I know people like to say like People like to say, like, yo, teenagers' problems aren't really that big. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, that is a pivotal time in one's life. And, like, hearing what you went through at a teenage, at that age, like, it's pretty cool you're still here, man. <laughs> like, yeah, man, I've I've defied the odds many, many times. Like, even back in high school, we kind of had, like, a joking uh, betting pool of, uh, you know, Greg Mocha was amongst this group, too, of which one of us was going to die first and i was always at the top of the list and um so some of some on that list are not you know rest in peace yeah but uh yeah it's 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 it's, i say it's a couple miracles that i'm still here um it's crazy man and like i try not to take for granted but um you know life happens life doesn't happen to us you know it happens and some shit's out of our control and uh you know it's all a matter of uh how you cope with that that, you Mm -hmm. know and i'm you know every day you know is a a work in progress like you know try and get better every day try and learn try and grow um but yeah dude it's it's tough sometimes especially like where i live um i definitely live in one of the you know i live in holyoke massachusetts um 
you know, pretty known for being a, you know, having some areas where you can, you know, go down and get yourself into some, some trouble in the ghettos. Um, and it's, you know, I've, I've had people say to me like, Hey, you know, you, you really shouldn't be living in Holyoke really can't, can't live there. It's like, dude, if, if I'm on that mission and if like, I, I really want to get high, like it doesn't matter where I am. Like I know how to talk yeah. to people. I'll, I'll go find, I'll go find somebody. It's you not can really go to the matter. suburbs with million dollar houses. Like someone might hook you up there. Like it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. If, if, you know, if, if you really want it, you're going to, you're going to find it. So it's not, you know, it, it definitely doesn't, it's, I'm, I'm closer, you know, closer to it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's, it's an internal thing that I got to work on, um, while also externalizing myself and reaching out to people, which, which again, is, has been, you know, it's, that's been my downfall almost every time. It's like the way for me, the way that it like kind of comes on is it's like, you know, I'll get this little voice in my head. I'll be doing really well. It's like almost like anytime I get to a certain level of success, kind of almost like you were saying with that comment, anytime I reach a certain level of success in my life, it's like I'll get this little voice in my head. It's like, oh, you know, why not? You're doing, you're doing okay. You got enough money saved up. You, you can handle it. It's like I haven't been able to fucking handle it successfully or like responsibly the entire time of, you know, been been addicted to opiates again like 16 years old and then 19 was the first time i ever did like heroin because i feel like a you know pretty common story amongst opiate users that you get to that point you're doing pills you're, a lot of people are like oh i'll never i'll never touch that you know i'll never i'll never go harder than this but then comes a time of uh you know desperation if you're you know this type of addict where it's just it doesn't matter anymore you know the pills aren't around and then there there always seems to be this one person that's like hey you know i can i i can get i can get you some age like way cheaper too and then you know there's that internal dialogue with myself like oh shit here's that moment like i've been you know try trying to almost like convince myself this entire time that i was never going to let myself get to mm-hmm. but then it's just uh you know it's super powerful man and it's uh overrides any any type of logic or reasoning like um you know i just me and my uh ex-girlfriend like almost six years ex-fiance actually just split up recently and we had a conversation and she's like you know i always always kind of felt like you were almost cheating on me in this way where it was like no matter how many times i said to you like if you do it again, like I'm going to be leaving and then you would still go and do it. And I'm like, I'm like, it's not to, not to excuse anything I've done. Cause it's obviously like had an effect on you and I've hurt you, but it is so much more powerful than like being given an ultimatum. Um, and it's the, it almost in a way puts more pressure on that person to be like, if you do this again, I'm gone. Or, or even in myself, it's like, you know any addict saying i'm never going to use again you, you'll hear it in like aana a lot it's like that concept of never using again is so it's like for me it's almost i've learned to not say it because again from that moment it's almost like putting this extra pressure on yourself it's like well yeah i gotta live up to this for forever but 
you know, in in the AANA, they say a lot, like, you know, just for today, like, break it down, just even small blocks of time, hour at a time, I'll get through the next hour without doing it, you know, even minutes if you have to, and, um, you know, just, just get through the day, but, uh, yeah, man, like, I'll, you know, no, again, it's just been like a, a chaotic spiral, and, you know, there, there's some part of me, again, my, all my reasoning is completely uh, overridden by, you know, the power of, of this thought, like, it's weird, this is gonna sound weird to people, but in, in recent years, I've almost, like, started to, like, think of it as almost like a a demonic presence in a way, like, you know, if you drop the word dem demonic, most people are ob uh, automatically gonna, you know, think Christianity, religious-based, but um just says this uh you know this kind of dark energetic presence that uh yeah just I don't, yeah i don't know I'm not no gonna... i no i you don't i mean you can keep talking but like i get what you're saying if you if you're confusing yourself but i i, I get it it's a it's just I, I i look i can't even say it it it's really beyond is, reason it's beyond reason <laughs> it's nothing like religious like religion like you know Christians will try to be like, oh, that boy's got a demon inside him. And like, you know what? Like that is, yeah, you can kind of look at it like in that fact, like, you know, I, I was just, this is off topic. I'll get back on the topic. But like, I, I was just literally out, I was out in public getting an oil change and I almost got in an altercation with a guy who was fighting with a guy behind the counter. And then like, after the guy left, the, the guy behind the counter was just like, that dude's got some demons inside of him. And it's kind of something like that. They're just, there's just this black cloud around you and, you know, you just have negativity inside of you. And it's like, it's almost like, it's not even you. It's just, you're controlled by some sort of external force. Um, yeah, man. It's, yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Cause you know, once, once I engage it too, and kind of, you know, give into it, it's almost like I'm a passenger in my own, my own brain. Um, you ever see the movie High Tension? Um, like French horror movie, French ex extreme yeah, horror movie. Yeah, it's been a while, but I mean, I can definitely remember some things from it. Yeah, so there's, I guess there's, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler, but um, essentially one of the characters is like, throughout the whole movie, she's she's avoiding the, the you know, the, the killer, the dude who's after everybody, but is like watching from all these kind of like, these weird these weird spots and not being noticed and it's it's just almost it i always like think of that it's like i'm uh yeah i'm just like relegated to the passenger seat and it's like this yeah this external force is kind of driving the car and uh you know again here we here i go trying to explain it again and i you keep saying like it's something beyond reason it's it's uh unless you're in it like yeah it's it's hard to explain exactly um, um i was i had a question oh um I, I wanted to ask you i was trying to find a good point when to mention it and if this is a little random sorry but like what is your kind of coping mechanism when old habits or old feelings kind of ramp up and almost you think it's gonna take over like well, how do you shy away from that um again it's it's uh you know it's the 
the only thing I really can do, you know, try something to keep myself busy or reach out to someone, something to get outside of myself. Um, because, you know, when I get to that point, like something, something's obviously not going good in my life. And, you know, it's kind of a matter of facing that. But again, sometimes things are like out of your control and you can't really, you know, face it in a way you want. So, it's uh you know the the one thing that has been been helpful again is is talking to people you know going sit with a friend um but again you know i'd i'd be a liar if i said i'm like successful with that every, you know all the time like it's uh yeah i mean you know i sorry my cats my cats are going a little crazy those little dudes keep me keep me going um Ooh, yeah there, there's something that yeah that's cuz it's like that's the closest I'll ever come to having kids of my own. It's like pets of some sort. And it's like, you know, I don't want to, you're not going to have kids, dude. No, man. I couldn't imagine being a kid growing up at this, at, at this point in life. Like, I feel like if I had kids, I'd want to like homeschool them and stuff that I'm like, honestly, not, not willing and, you know, wanting to even really do. Well, let me just say like, as a new parent now, me, like, I think that's cool that you've made a decision like that because a firm decision about your life. Because I've I had a talk. I have a lot of friends who don't have kids and are probably they have no ambitions to have kids or they're just it's just not going to happen. But I don't know. I don't know if I worded that correctly. But um, because I feel like there's. People, when it comes to parents, I feel like there's people that, you know, I wanted to be a parent, but I never saw myself as like a father of five. Like that, yeah. that's insanity to me. That's always blown my mind. Like no fucking way. Like I'm, we might have two, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but then there's people who like, you know, want kids and are unfortunately due to biology and whatnot or something, you know, might not be able to get that opportunity. Um, and there's also, there's people who, you know, have kids and frankly should not fucking have kids. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And then there's people who I have a lot of respect for. I have a few friends that are just like, no, not for me. And I always go good because like, you don't want to be that person that you know, has three kids and you should have never fucking been a parent. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. Like I've had, I've had, and I don't even know if I'm a good parent yet. Like I'm trying, like I wanted to have kids and I'm trying. So, but I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're doing a, a good job. You. <laughs> you, you seem like someone to be a cool dad. Um, you got seem like got your shit together. Um, but I've, I've had friends who are, you know, our parents themselves say to me like, Dude, it, it'll, it'll change your life. You know, it, it changed mine. It was, it changed things oh, it, for the better. It's like, it well, it changes your life, but like, dude, and, and for, for someone like me, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe that would happen, but that's a gamble, a very irresponsible gamble that I'm even, I'm not willing to take. And, uh, you know, I'm all about taking stupid risks and stuff, have a codependency on chaos, but it's yeah. almost like something within me just knows like, no, that's not, not for me. This, you know, this time around, like, you know, I, I'm someone who believes in, you know, reincarnation, essentially. I'm like, it's not, not for everybody, but, um, yeah, this, this lifetime I'm, I'm here to, 
you know, try to figure my own shit out. Like I look yeah. back at my parents, they weren't bad people. They were just stupid kids who got married right out of high school for all the wrong reasons, because I think that generation was kind of fading out of a more, you know, more family oriented generations where it was like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to, you get to a certain point in life, you marry your high school sweetheart, whatever you have kids like that's That's the typical, uh, typical flow of things. So I almost look at it as kind of just like a, a thoughtless thing that, you know, a lot of parents had kids for all the wrong reasons. And, uh, you know, and yet get some situations like my parents and, you know, kids, kids like, or I'm not a kid anymore, far from it. So weird. I, I still refer to people as kids and like, my friends like kids it's like damn like 31 so so far away from being a kid man like but it's just you know not meaning it in that sense but you know i i still catch myself saying like oh i don't i don't feel 31 i don't feel that old but what the hell does this age feel like I, uh, yeah I mean, you know? <laughs> by the time my, this my... by the time this episode airs i'm gonna be 34 and when, I... when's your birthday uh august 4th so okay as we record this in a few days right on um but i i i don't even feel like i'm in my 30s i feel like i just i maybe it's a good thing and you know every there's people who say it's a good thing and people who will tell me to grow the fuck up but like i still feel like a kid yeah man i i feel like you gotta i I feel like it's important to kind of hang on to a piece of that and yeah. figure out how to balance it with being an adult. Cause I mean, being, you know, you look back at being a kid, those were some like the more, some of the simplest, happiest times of most people's lives. Like, you know, e- even saying with what I said and, you know, my, my upbringing, like my teen, my childhood was, was, was awesome. You know, my, uh, my teenage years were awesome. I, I, uh, I started playing in a band with some kids that were older than me. I was in like, seventh going into eighth grade and i i met uh some kids they were seniors at smith Volk, and i i was playing in a band that played at this the smith Volk talent show and i met these guys and they happened to like live right in my neighborhood and practice right in my neighborhood and linked up with them and uh had some of the best years of my life probably like 13 to 16 um None of them were really like bad influences or anything, but I always caught myself wanting to grow up faster. Like I always, I was always in such a rush to grow up and I feel like I missed out on like a large chunk of like the fond memories. A lot of people look back on their high school years. Um, I was kind of on just like sort of a different, different wavelength than uh, a lot of people. And even my close group of friends, at one point, let's say probably like tenth grade, I was um sort of when everything with my family was like kind of crumbling and shit. I was uh tripping out a lot. Love love psychedelics. Still think there can be a lot of benefit to psychedelics. I'm not here trying to promote drug use or anything, but um I kept going. I was went a little too a little too hard with the the mushrooms consistently one summer and uh kind of spun myself out to where like I had this two week period where I uh I cut 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 all ties with 
everybody. I became like super paranoid. Like thought I thought thought people were like out to like you know ruin. I just I just kind of snapped along with all the shit going on at home. It was just not a good combination. And uh, there was probably almost almost close to a a school year where like a lot of my friends didn't even like want to you know I'd sit sit at lunch eat lunch alone like. I was, I was just so spun out and like, I can't imagine what it was like for that, you know, people on the outside dealing with me or seeing me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, thing thing you know, shit just there's, got really, really weird for a long time. There's when I was in high school and I was up to no good every now and then. I mean, there's friends that I, I mean, like, you know, I'm still friends with some people, but like there's people that I, I don't know. I'm, were around me when i was screwing up a lot and like they're cool with me now but there is kind of this just like eh, i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean like they I, remember I, certain things we'll never let you live them down type of deal i don't know but there, there's just kind of like i think it's also this thing of like you know i i there was also kind of a feeling of like i needed a friend at the time <laughs> and like and nah, they weren't lending a hand. But the, but the thing is, is if you look at it from their perspective, they're 16, 17 years old. Why would they want to dive into that shit storm with you? You know, so yeah. I look at it that way, too. Like, I see it from both sides. But like, I mean, there's That's still people there's still people to this day that like come up to me and like they're very nice, very cordial. And I'm nice, very cordial. But there's always but I I definitely feel like I have this like your reputation precedes you type of deal yeah like dude there, there's i don't know like i i started to get a i don't know man like i feel like there is i mean you and i are from the same area like i feel like sometimes there was a phase where i would show up to a party and people would think i was there to get fucked up and i wasn't <laughs> yeah and, and like like by the time I got to like my mid twenties, people were just like, guys, man, what's up? And <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I, I like having a good time. I like going out, but I was very much also like, uh, nah, I'm kind of mellow now, you know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not that person, you know, I, was, I went through a phase of, you know, but there's, stupid. there's, there's people from like when I was younger too, that like, I, I'll see them. And I, I just sense myself keeping a distance because it's not like a grudge, but I'm just kind of like, Ah, uh, I wish we could have been better friends, but I screwed it up. And I don't know. I wish maybe you saw through some of my issues, but you didn't. And I don't know. It just, it is what it is. I, I know. I know the feeling like, uh, yeah, you know, it, again, for, for me, especially it's like, you know, pe people are aware of the things I've done. Like when I, like end of high school into my early 20s like I would hear stories about myself that like shit that never even happened like yeah you know, it wasn't just the case of me not remembering something like just just some absurd stories you know related to getting to getting fucked up I'm like well oh no that sounded kind of fun but I definitely that definitely wasn't me I kind of wish I was there you know so, but uh you know yeah dude I I know my uh uh, again my rep my reputation in some ways precedes me and not in a good way and uh you know those 
certain people just kind of hang on to, you know, a certain negative image of you and, you know, not necessarily wanting to, but, you know, kind of circling back to your, you know, that comment the dude made to you, like, you know, maybe something I did to some at, at a party or, you know, hanging out somewhere, um, you know, even just seeing someone screwed up on opiates when you don't know what what is going on. Like, I know I've kind of, like, freaked a lot of people out. You know, when you're doing opiates, you, you're, like, real high for people who don't know. Like, you kind of nod out, which is more or less just kind of falling asleep. Just, yeah, you know, sitting, doing whatever you're doing. Like, it, it, could, it could be whatever. And I think... uh I think that's, I mean, that's scary for, for people to see, especially when they have no conception of like a level of being high beyond smoking weed or drinking or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I met, I know for a fact from hearing uh, from, from friends in the past, some stuff like that's happened. It's like, you know, I can only imagine how many other times, like, you know, I've made an ass of myself while, you know, um, Christ, I mean, I've I've done it at jobs before, like, um, you know, and you know, kitchen work is unfortunately pretty notorious for having a lot of you know drunks and addicts working in the line. Thankfully, where I'm working now, got a pretty tight crew there, and uh, you know, they're uh, they've been very very understanding of my situation. I've been there off and on for a couple years, um, but yeah, it's it's important to have people, you know people on your side that you can talk to um you know even if you feel like you can't it's uh again that that i keep saying that that's i feel like my biggest flaw is not reaching out when i know i need to and you know especially at work like i got people saying you know if you're ever having a hard time just come talk to me it's like if i'm at work it's like i don't want to come burden you with my problems while we're all already at work but you know in a sense that's just me making excuses and you know avoiding trying something that most likely would you know be helpful for me in a in a rough rough patch or a a rough moment mental moment you know so instead of that you came on a podcast (laughs) yeah that's it for the whole whole world exactly really really break it's fucking cool dude it's i i commend you like completely and you obviously you being here kind of had me, I mean, honestly, like what we were building up to do this episode, I was just like, should I dive deep into some skeletons in my closet from 15 ish years ago now? So, and I, so it was, it was pretty therapeutic and we're a long ways away from the fact that we were started this episode talking about Nicholas Cage movies. Uh- <laughs> yeah. You were, Mandy. Yeah. We're all over the place, but, you know, I ho- hopefully it'll be a you know a insightful or enjoyable listen somewhat to to the people on the, that are hearing this. Um, you know, I, I essentially I feel like one of the reasons I I reached out to you again, like you know we, you know we've been you know associated with one another, always running on like circles that were kind of like tan- tangential of each other. Um, yeah, never really like hung out or really talked too too much, but. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a stigma that comes along with addiction. And, you know, I, I say sometimes like, you know, got to work on destigmatizing the stigma of speaking yeah. about addiction, you know, 
And, you know, I guess in, in a sense, what better way to do it than, you know, where go, go and talk on start. There's some, some weird ass horn honking on my street. It's all right. I can't hear it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. It's pretty weak. It sounds like a, sounds like it'd be like an old, like sixties punch buggy, just like, <laughs> like really dead horn. Um, but yeah, just, and I, I think also at the time too, when I reached out, I was in a way that was me kind of reaching out while ha- like being in, in a, in a rough time, like the last, last year has been kind of pretty shitty in a lot of ways on top of like all the other shit that everyone in the world is dealing with just, um, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff yeah, I, I've, is. I've heard, um, overdose rates and whatnot because of like covid because you know people people with an issue like addiction um substance abuse whatever we're calling it uh you know during like coronavirus lockdown are are stuck in their house and they're bored and so they're getting inside their own head and i'm just like i I think i remember hearing that and just going like oh man that has got to be like i think i have it bad like the only thing bad that happened to me because of COVID is I couldn't go to fucking Iceland. <laughs> like, break, my wife break, and I break. had a trip for Iceland and Ireland and that shit got canceled. And like, that does suck, upset, man. Dude. That was a dream trip. But like hearing so many other people's stories, like, nah, man, I didn't have it that bad. <laughs> well, well, I, I think one, I've, I've always wanted to go to Ireland so much. Cool. I'm still off, going. Dude. Off, you're going to get there. I know it. Um, a lot of cool history in that area of the world um but yeah as, as far as like the whole lockdown one thing that that i caught myself thinking about a lot is people who go to like aa and na meetings and um when you go to meetings like you know they, they talk about like they always say it's not a religious group but you know uh you know kind of about surrendering to a god of your understanding and i know a lot of people that go to meetings kind of get to a point where they start to look upon the meetings themselves and the whole fellowship as their God. So I I think about it a lot. I'm like, man, having, cause, cause it came to a certain point where they couldn't, you know, meetings, they couldn't hold them in person. And then, you know, doing it over a zoom meeting definitely doesn't have the same effect, same yeah. energy as being in a room with all those people. So I I'm thinking about like, man, all these people who more or less had their, conception of god ripped out from under them because of a pandemic and they couldn't go talk to people and you know wondering how many overdoses deaths happened that you know could have been avoided if none of that happened like people being locked down like that you know a lot of addicts are um not comfortable happy with themselves which is one of the reasons they you know use um which is weird because over the last couple of years, I've definitely like really learned to enjoy my own company. Th- thankfully, it's uh, definitely yeah. a, a huge gift. I feel like that definitely helps. Yeah. If you can get to that point in your life, uh, I'd say you're, you're on a winning path. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I thought, I've thought about it so many times, like the, the amount of, uh, yeah, just unnecessary deaths that there's just, this just been a crazy couple of fucking years, but, but just that notion of again, like one putting your stock in concept of what God means to you in the arms of this kind of makeshift group of addicts that you know uh, 
are just improvising meetings in church basements or wherever, like, you know, that's a pretty big risk of, you know, again, putting that label of God on, a, you know, you're, you're essentially labeling it onto your, your fellow, fellow man, fellow woman, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's a huge, huge risk because again, some unexpected stuff like a giant worldwide pandemic and lockdown can happen. And, uh, essentially, uh, again, your, your idea of God, what's been holding you together is just gone like that. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, you know, not, not to harp on the God concept too much. I know that can be weird for people. That was, so I had this like unconscious bias built into me for the longest time of, I would hear anyone say the word God and I would automatically tune it out. Um, no, it, it wasn't really any rhyme or reason to it, but, uh, and that, that's why when I was younger, probably like my early twenties, I was like trying to go into meetings and stuff. And, uh, just that, that whole concept, that whole God spiritual religious concept, just like, I just didn't get it. Just didn't click with me. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but I've definitely found myself on a, you know, an, an interesting path the last few years, like as far as like spiritually goes, um, you know, like I said, I got like really into reading a lot, a lot of weird, like occult esoteric stuff, a lot of philosophy, a lot of Eastern philosophy and stuff. And, uh, definitely found a lot of, um, found a lot of hope within a lot of that stuff. Um, but you know getting dogmatic about anything i feel like can really uh crush the core concepts of you know what a lot of those teachings are trying to get at and uh you know i i guess yeah. I, I say it thinking about myself like you know again the word god is like people need to define their terms a lot more like you know, I referenced, you know, a demonic presence in relation to my addiction earlier. And like, again, you know, like define your terms, like what is how widespread or deep is your, your, your meaning of that? How open-minded are you to be like, you know, considering what, what the concept of a demonic evil, dark, whatever you want to call it, presence can encompass, you know? Um, and yeah, I get, I don't, I don't know when or what precisely like shifted in me, but, um, you know, one day I just kind of started actually listening to like, you know, people, what people were saying of stuff I don't necessarily agree with and just kind of, uh, just shut my mouth and open my ears and, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm at a point like ready to listen, kind of want to learn, been in like a real, real, uh, you know, kind of knowledge for the sake of knowledge journey the last couple of years like you know not trying to vindicate myself or prove myself right about any one thing but just be open to you know concepts i i'm not familiar with like this one i don't even know who i heard say it but this one simple uh phrase i heard someone say cut in the last couple of years is you never think about the things you never thought about and it's like one of those really stupid, simplistic sayings that like when I really started to think about it, it's like, man, that's that, that is very, very true. And like can really uh, you can get pretty, pretty deep with that. 
if if you want to, you know, de depending on how again again how open you are to maybe you know coming across or confronting certain concepts that you you know had a certain bias or opinion to your your, your whole life, whether for a good reason or not, which. You know, I found out with myself, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't want to listen to was kind of just uh, ideas and old wives tales pre-programmed into me that I kind of just accepted. Um, you know, I'm not talking about anything in particular necessarily in this moment, but um, just stuff you kind of pick up growing up that, you know, kind of molds your brain that you don't necessarily realize is like, you know, molding your character and, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people function very unconsciously and kind of just, you know, sort of float through life, um, kind of yes or knowing without really like thinking deeper, thinking critically on stuff for themselves and um, using themselves as their own frame of reference rather than like, oh, well, you know, I learned this here. I heard that there. Uh, you know, I've believed this my whole life so I'm gonna keep believing it because you know it's just a lot of uh kind of just people just floating on um and I was absolutely one of them and at moments I I certainly still am too you know and, but I try to be definitely try to be uh a lot more mindful of my uh you know day-to-day -day, my my every movement like especially at work I move around so erratically and quickly and like sometimes it's like man just slow the fuck down like think <laughs> about what you think about what you're doing for a moment like put some consideration to where this these steps are going to lead you to you know um and when i'm capable of doing that like you know it uh definitely a lot more beneficial to a anything that i'm i'm facing in life you know just kind of try to catch yourself you know take a deep breath mm -hmm. okay? breathe out that you know a lot of those simple stupid things meditation like actually works it's just uh for me it was a real I, I you know I got ADHD brain um so that was a real challenge to especially like as far as like meditating goes that was a huge still is at times huge uh just obstacle to get over and get past to be able to sit in silence even for five minutes without your mind wandering too too much um it's a lot more challenging than than you know people a lot of a lot of people might think yeah that's something I've, I've gone back to that a few times here and there it, it really is once you lose it and you stop doing that it's kind of hard to get at least for me it's hard to get back to that yeah um, absolutely we're you know we kind of live in a a type of society that kind of teaches you to look everywhere else but yourself for yeah. answers or some you know relief in, in something um but yeah there's there's definitely a lot of it, there can be a lot of uh power and relief and release and meditating and mindfulness and stuff like that um it's just uh yeah when you know when your head gets so so chaotic you got so much stuff it can be you know those simplest things can be the hardest things to remember i guess in those, yeah. those chaotic those chaotic moments um one of my uh uh i mean well i guess this is kind of my last question um 
I just had a curiosity, like how long have you been sober or, or clean or whatever? I don't, I don't know what term they go by anymore, but it's, I mean, use whatever term you want. Um, Cause like, I, I know sober is like, the, like, it's almost like a, I don't want to say the medical term or the professional term, I guess. But then like, I hear people say clean cause, but like, I've always heard clean is kind of like, eh, I'm clean or slang or it's like slang or something, but how it's long? all kind of, it's all kind of wishy-washy. I mean, honestly, I, about a month ago, I actually, I went to, uh, I had to put myself in rehab. Um, it was uh, like, so when I reached out to you uh, again, I think, I think I started saying this before. Um, I think that was like in, in a way like me in kind of getting bombarded with those, those thoughts of like wanting yeah. to pick up and me knowing like, Hey, you know, talk about it, get, get outside of yourself, like talk, talk to anybody about this. And I think that was kind of me unconsciously. I think that's part of what I was doing when I reached out to you. Like, Were you in rehab at the time when you reached out to me? No, not at the time. Okay. Um, but uh, I want to say it, it was probably within maybe a month of reaching out to you. Cause there was like a, a two week period where, um, yeah, I, w- I had to go away for a little bit. I had a couple friends doing like wellness checks on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, my, my ex fiance, like six years moved out uh, in a really, really fucked up way um, at the end of May into March or into April, at the end of April into May. Um, and I just really didn't handle, handle it too well. Um, you know, having a person that you're with almost every day for six years, kind of just up and leave and you don't have any reason you don't just completely cut contact don't have any reason why um went about moving out in a really screwed up way had her mother email my landlord sorry I'm, I'm sort of getting off topic but it is essentially related to, to yeah, that so I, got, I, got I guess simple answer is I've been clean of uh what like a little over a month almost month and a half five six weeks Cause I had, a, yeah, I had a relapse, um, and a pretty bad one at that, which, uh, you know, I usually, if I, if I have a relapse, you know, it'll be for like a couple days, three, four days, but I, I went for probably like a week or two and got so beat down mentally, physically and spiritually, just like I had pretty much, it was probably one of my lowest points in life. And I had in my mind, I'd kind of thrown in the towel and was kind of just, you know, as, as sad as this is to say, I was kind of hoping one of the bags would just, you know, kind of take me out. Um, but when you get so far outside of yourself in such an irrational thing, there's no, there's no logical, rational thinking. And it's not, that's not my core self wanting those things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people will tell you, you know, your addiction wants you dead. Um, which in a nutshell, like that's, that's one of like three, three main options or ch- choices you're going to end up, you know, jail, death, or, uh, you know, and some rehab facility. Um, so yeah, so I had a couple friends did you know, did a couple wellness checks on me. And then one of my friends took it upon himself, got my, uh, my medical, my medical insurance info and started calling places, seeing if there was like any beds open. And I was really, really sick at this time and just not in a good spot but after like a a day of him trying to help out 
mind you, this is a, a dude who is married and has two kids. And I, I'm like, dude, if one, like seeing these, you know, I do have these people that care about me this much to like take it upon themselves to try and save my life more than I'm trying to save my life. I'm like, if he can do, if he can be making these calls, like there's no reason other than the fact that I'm not in my right mind and, you know, physically not very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of came around and started making calls myself and, you know, went, went away for a couple of weeks. Um, the place, <laughs> some crazy stories. Maybe we'll talk about that somewhere down the line. Some very interesting characters you'll meet in a, in a detox or rehab facility. Um, but, uh, wasn't the best of places, but I just need, I needed to step away from life for a little bit and, you know, my responsibilities, my surroundings. Um, but all of that, see, again, seeing people come out when a, a big thing is like, you know, thinking I'm burdening all my friends and I, uh, you know, feeling when you get so down, feeling like you don't have anyone there for you, you don't have anyone on your side or genuinely feeling like you're such a burden on these people because, you know, it's almost like they're, they're waiting for that call one day to finally like hear like, Hey, you know, Chris, Chris finally passed away. Like you just, I get, I get to this place in my head where like, I'm like, you know, I, I feel like I'm such a burden on these people that, you know, going out and ending it finally, like would be the easier of the, of the options than continuing on living and, uh, you know, being in a, a right frame of mind right now is it's so insane to think that like I could ever be in a place where that's a, a rational thought again, dealing with complete irrationality. Um, but yeah, gen- you know, genuinely feeling like you're you're such a burden on these people because you're just you know slipping up and ugh, sorry I'm you know kind of kind of rambling right now. But okay. uh, um, yeah. So I I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is seeing all these people come out of all the woodwork and I say all these people is you know a, a handful of like really good solid people on my side that um, yeah we're really happy to you know year that I was going to do that and making that decision um you know I I left at a time too where it was like I kind of left left my my job in the middle of a work week essentially and um you know I told my boss I'm like I don't expect you to hold my spot for me but like I gotta do this um otherwise there's not gonna be you know uh, a self to to be worrying about like you know I was i in a way I'm like, you know, I'm risking losing my job. I'm risking losing my apartment by doing this. But if I don't do this, I'm not going to be around too much longer anyways, because I don't got much left in me. But if I do go away and I do lose all this stuff when I come out, at least I'll still be around to have another chance to start over. Um, You know, I've started over uh, more than a few times. So it's a, it's definitely a scary thought in the moment, just kind of, you know putting everything on the line like that but um you know I know when I'm when I'm living honestly and like trying to do the right thing and uh you know have pure intentions and you know I'm I'm genuinely trying and putting you know uh good vibes out there out into the world 
you know, things do tend to work out. And, uh, you know, I uh, put myself in a real tight situation, especially financially by doing this. But when I came out, everything, uh, all the pieces kind of came together, like, you know, ended up still having my job. My landlord um, was super happy, super understanding of my financial situation. He's like, you know, if you get behind for a few months, it's not a big deal. He's like, you're going to be my tenant for a long time to come. So, like, don't even think about moving out. So, Dude. you know, when you, you come out, yeah, man, like, it's it's hard not to look at things. In like this, this day and age, like, to have a landlord like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's rare man i've had some sh some shitty landlords some real slum lords um but you know i've been at this spot almost three years um my landlord actually lives on the first floor of this this house um so yeah we've we've grown pretty tight and especially over the last few months with you know the whole splitting up with my ex he was super supportive in that time um so yeah it's it's been crazy so yeah you know you put that much on the line and you know, risk losing everything you've worked for. And then you come out and things, you know, just by the, uh, just, just, ba just barely come together, but do come together yeah, and are able to maintain everything. It's hard to not look at that and be like, shit, man. Like, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta keep on this positivity. I gotta keep, you know, cause I've, I've seen, I've proven to myself over the last few years that, you know, again, when I am living honestly and like, you know, following my heart and, you know, just trying to be honest and live decently, like things do tend to work out, man. And yeah. uh, I've seen the flip side of that coin too. Like, um, you know, when you're living, like you're doing shitty shit, shitty shit's going to happen to you, man. You, you get what you give. It, it is true, man. Definitely. So, I yeah, think, I, I think um, there's a happy ending for this episode right there. We'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, man, that I is like... uh, that you, my friend, you have shared a, a lot of uh, this is probably one of the most like personal episodes. And I knew we were going to I knew it was going to go that way. And it's I'm honored that you came on and had a conversation like this with me. I'm I'm definitely very honored to you know be. You on should the show. do a podcast, dude. Dude, I I would love to. Me and Greg <laughs> have talked about it like plenty over the. Him and I talk about so many things that, yeah. you know, I I only wish could have or will come to fruition someday. Like him and I have a good creative energy together. He's yeah. been been my best friend since like third or fourth grade when I turned around and asked him, I'm like, "Hey, do you like the B fifty twos?" Yeah. It's what a way to start a friendship. <laughs> um, Damn. But yeah, man, we're in we're in a happy spot right now. Um, so yeah, I like I like that. Yeah, we'll leave it here. Um, but yeah, I I would I would love to have a podcast. I you know my my dream is to actually work in the field of recovery and you know finally get to a spot with myself where you know I can you know honestly put all of myself forward and you know try to try to work with addicts work with people in recovery because in a slightly selfish way it does help me um but it's you know that addict helping addict mentality um so yeah that's that's definitely my goal and you know maybe something would be uh worth considering starting a podcast kind of focused on and you could 
plenty of tangents I could go off on too, but I think, you know, just that core concept of, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts, uh, you know, with a, addictive focus. Yeah, um, but I mean, I don't even know what this, I've been doing this thing for a year and a half, and I don't even know what the hell this show is, honestly, but people listen to it. So uh, here I am. It's cool that you're, it's awesome that you're doing it. Too, I know. Man. And like, honestly, thank you because, because of this episode, I literally feel like I'm Oprah, like just, <laughs> just fucking people coming on here and digging I'd deep. Choose, I'd choose you over Oprah any day of the week. I don't uh, care. It's disrespectful. Oprah, Oprah's fucking, she's what, cool. I don't care what gifts she puts under my seat. I'd come onto this show any day over. Well, over the I week. appreciate that. I mean, she's got <laughs> like billions of dollars, so I don't think she's yeah, sweating I, me right now. <laughs> I don't think her. I don't think her and I would be able to get you know so as as real as you and I have gotten. Okay, <laughs> especially on live national syndicated television, couldn't say a lot of this crap. So, all right. Um, I have nothing more to say, but thank you for an awesome show. Dude, yeah. Again, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I hope you know. I hope hope it turns out to be a good show, and maybe someone listening will hear something that uh gives them some hope. You know, that's all I can hope for. Usually, here at the end, I um, I mean, like, okay, look, you just gave me a quick idea before I before I stop hitting record on this thing. Um, I mean, like, usually I have people come on, like, obviously I have people plugging projects and whatnot and oh, find me here on Instagram. Like, let's just say someone does listen to this and would want to maybe reach out and talk to you. Like, how would do you, how would somebody maybe do that? If that's um, what you wanted. If not, I'll just cut this part out. <laughs> no, dude, I, I, I'm totally open to that. Um, I mean, I got can hit me up on my email, which I, you know, to check somewhat infrequently uh, a lot less than i should check it um you know i'm facebook's the only social media that i'm on other than like you know i've I've only recently started posting music onto onto youtube and i'm like yeah kicking myself in the ass i'm like why haven't i been doing this the whole time i've been posting you know my phone recordings to, to facebook all these years um but you know can reach out to to me through through gmail i can give my gmail plug I'll leave it right in the here. show notes you don't gotta say it well cool cool it's like um, dude it's a good one though every time i have to say it when i'm on like the phone with like insurance or whatever i always get a good laugh wait what is all right now now i gotta know what it is what is it <laughs> it's bacon strips 413 at gmail.com <laughs> hit me right. up <laughs> um all right if you need to reach out and need someone to talk to that is in the show notes of this show um I know this is like the third time I've said it. Thank you for a good show, man. This was a lot yeah. of fun. I feel like going to be a lot of helpful for people. Uh, I usually end it here with saying leave a rating and review. But after everything we've talked about, who gives a shit about a rating and review? <laughs> enjoy it. Um, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Take care. That's baconstrips413 at gmail.com is what Chris said for the email. If you want to reach out to him to talk, if you're going through an issue with your uh, addiction problems too, Chris is pretty open. I think, obviously, like he said there at the end of the show, I, you know, he wants to have maybe a career down the road uh, helping people who have had the same uh, hurdles in life that he has. Uh, yeah, that was a really interesting new kind of episode uh, for this for this show. So, um, hope you all liked it. 
you know, might have been a little rocky at times with subject with the, with the subject matter. Anywho, I wanted to kind of pre-record a little bit of an outro here because if you all remember at the beginning of this episode, uh, Chris and I were talking about a song him and uh, Greg Moko had performed like ten years ago, and there's a YouTube video of it out. And I I I thought I'd maybe end the show on a, a pretty uh more comical, lighthearted note. Not that we were talking about really deep, dark, depressing things, but really kind of more emotional things. Let's end it with a bit of a lighter tone. Uh, This song right here is what we talked about at the top of the show. Trigger warning, maybe there's some humor in it that isn't really good for 2020 ears. I don't know, but I still go back and kind of listen to this every now and then. I want to put it in a movie if I ever get to make a movie again, or, you know, I will make a movie again. It's called Easy on the Cut by The Rapture, a.k.a. Greg Moko and Chris Fiato. Play us out, boys. See you next week. Sucker fool, I'm illomatic. Bring the whistle whips and chains or shove you in the duffel bag. Your girlie's out the brains, the bitch a fucking hat trip. I know I better double wrap my dick before I tap that shit. Ooh, hip hop it, go chopping, fatty's belly flopping, easy on the cuts, making money selling crack rocks in. Well, fuck you, God, cause your angels blows and smoke the dust. You go for broke, I slang the dope, and then I go for bust. Bring the ruckus and the pencil rolling nuggets. Making mad targets, all the pities wanna fox right at that pop bitch shit. Dial get rich quick. It a got a defeater and lean it to the left with it. That Looking so good, I wanna fuck you like a faggot bitch Rubbing on the titties, reading bread with the retarded kid Creeping up and robbing your house My coke to car ratio is half an ounce to ounce Peace Easy on the cut, mother faggot, keep it white My curtain's fucked up, but my rhymes are locked tight Put some fucking heart in it, morning till night Wake up the next day to cap, the price is right The new jock jams, what a sight to capture Me and my brother cleaning house with the rapture Yeah, we coming right at you, with the beats that you're after Add all the shit you make, sounds uncontrollable laughter Splitting some wigs while I'm busting the gut Spitting game of chicken hits so I can bust a nut Call up my man, tell him hold the cut Show a fucking kilo all the way up in my butt Ah, major credit cards are not exactly accepted Give me the watch to rock in that motherfucking neck and grab it, sell a stash, count the cash, that's all she wrote, mother. Slanging the goods, yeah, I'm putting in work. I don't give a goddamn, selling crack at the church. Fucking doctor, feel good, was a motherfucking crook. And if you step on my corner, gonna get your life took. Coming over and under, like the lightning and thunder. With bell ringers that blind you, call that hot if you wonder. Easy on the cup, dog. Just fuck it up.